This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at craftsanity.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show about art, craft, and creativity. Hello and welcome to episode 140 of the podcast. And before I tell you who we're going to be talking to this week, I just want to make sure that I thank the people that make this possible. Special thanks to my Patreon sponsors for helping me keep this podcast alive and also the folks at ACS Home and Work for also supporting the podcast and sponsoring a series of shows. I really appreciate that. ACS, I'll remind you, is the company where I get my flower sack tea towels for printmaking. These work also for embroidery and block printing, and there's a bunch of other products that, that they sell for the home and also for the home crafter, canvas bags and little shopping bags, things like that. So I invite you to head over to their website to check out what they have. It's acshomeandwork.com. Also, for the local folks here in West Michigan, they are actually selling their products locally. You can get their products at an outlet. You can find them on Lake Michigan Drive over in Allendale, and it's called Red Door, and it's a a consignment shop, and there's a mix of antiques and new and old goods, and it's a fun little shop. You can look on my blog, craftsanity.com, and I'll have a link to show you where you can find the, the store exactly and another link to ACS as well. So check that out, and thank you to everyone who makes this possible. I am so happy to be able to continue to podcast, which brings me to the subject of this episode. I am really pleased to be bringing you a conversation with Ruby Ellen Bratcher. She is the blogger over at mykakies.com. She's a mother of four and the author of a new craft book called Let's Sew Together, Simple Projects the Whole Family Can Make. This is a really sweet book because it truly contains that projects the whole family can make. And it's not just sewing. There are some no-sew projects in here as well. I really love this uh, no-sew bunting project that's in here. There are some recipes, too, thrown in. And there's the sweetest little girl dresses that the children can embellish with their own artwork. There is a prep-and-play place setting project where you can sew some soft knives, forks, and spoons and little place settings and some soft food for the kids to play with. My kids are kind of old for that particular project, but I do plan to make them some super happy slippers. It's hard to pick a favorite project because I never can whittle things down, but I love the super happy slippers because they are so cute, and basically they're embellished with children's artwork. So pretty much anything that has either one of my daughter's artwork on it, I am all about it. I love this kind of stuff. So this is a great book to check out. I did include it recently in my newspaper column as one of my recommendations going into the the fall when we're going to be kind of coming in from the cold and at least here in the Midwest we'll be doing that. (laughs) The leaves are changing here, at least starting to. So grab a project and settle in with a cup of tea. Stick around after the interview to find out how you can win a copy of Let's Sew Together. 
in the meantime, let's get to that interview. Ruby Ellen, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast, and I'm really excited to chat about your new book, Let's Sew Together, Simple Projects the Whole Family Can Make. And I know as the mother of two young daughters, I'm always looking for books that can inspire the crafts we do together. Congrats on the new book, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Before your book came out, you have made a name for yourself with a blog. And why don't you tell us the name of your blog and the philosophy behind your blog and when you kind of got that started? Um, the name of my blog is Takeys, and I got started in 2007. I was pregnant with my second child. I had just discovered the online community and the crafting community, and I had a little girl, and she was barely one. And so I, we were making things together. I was making things for her, and I really was just intrigued by this community. And so I started blogging my craft. I used to sell, like, little children's accessories to local boutiques. So then I used that to kind of, as a platform to kind of advertise for myself. And I started an Etsy shop. So it all just started just being intrigued with seeing all these people who were into these um, crafts that I was. And I never knew, like, I thought I was just kind of nerdy growing up because I liked making things at home. <laughs> and I buy interior decorating magazines when I was in high school instead of, you know, the regular Vogue or Seventeen or whatever. I found, I found this community and I really want to be part of it. And so it was just, it kind of just evolved that way, staying home and creating things at home with my daughter. And then I had a second one shortly after that. And we just kept making things and I kept sewing for them. And that's how it kind of all got started. And so you're really documenting your life on your blog. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I never knew where we were going to go. I just thought I wanted to make friends who had the same interests as me and get inspired by other people. And it just started just like that. And so how has this changed your life to have this presence that you started? And it sounds like you didn't have any grand expectations when you first started. How did that process naturally unfold? And how has that influenced your life and changed it a little bit? One of the first big things that I like uh, maybe 2000, oh gosh, eight maybe, I saw this bag on free people's website and I loved it, but the price was outrageous. So I kind of recreated my own and I shared it on my blog. And then three people had contacted me and they want, they saw my bag that I created that was modeled after their bag and they wanted to blog it. And then they wanted to feature me on their blog. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was like freaking out. telling my husband, oh my gosh, three people contacted me. And it's just kind of, I, I always say it's kind of random. I never really set out to, I never imagined that it would turn into this. I'd have a book opportunity. It was just kind of like doing something I love and then just slowly things started unraveling. I don't even, I'm just so thankful for it. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know if there's like a particular recipe to get there, but I guess it kind of just started organic and just interacting with people and making friends. It seems to me like that works for people to just be themselves as opposed to trying to put on some persona for the public. Exactly. Well, I mean, when it first started, I couldn't even think of a name. I knew <laughs> my husband. I'm like, what should I send them? We, we had no idea. I mean, we aren't particularly clever like that. And so we just said, well, I called the kids baby cakeys. I'm like, oh, you know, I was making, making things for them. So let's call it cakeys. And I mean, I never knew it would stick. And, you know, that some people, they say, oh, you're cakeys. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's just, we were, and then branding, like people, I mean, people nowadays are just like, so like they're thinking about branding. I didn't think about that in the beginning. It was just kind of like, I don't think I'm even particularly good at that. But I mean, you have to, people are like, okay, you have to brand yourself. And I never thought of myself as a brand or having a brand. It's just kind of 
whatever colors or font I liked, I put up on the blog. And I mean, it's just, it's just interesting how everything's evolved, but, um, I just, it's so weird to think of it. Like nowadays everyone's like, okay, now I have to think of my brand. I have to think of a name. And I mean, I just laugh at it. I'm like, well, I guess Kiki's stuck. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't know what else to name it. At this point. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any idea how big your following is on your blog? I don't even, I don't exactly know. I don't even know how to read those things. <laughs> yeah, I'm not somebody who watches the, the numbers either. I feel like that's kind of, if I really knew, I kind of like to think that I'm reaching out to about five or six people <laughs> because, exactly. because it starts to get kind of weird when you think about that it could be way more than that, you know? So I, I am kind of like, no, I'm just going to imagine maybe like a dozen people <laughs> in a room that I'm talking to. And the great thing is when I've met someone who reads my blog, I feel like I'm meeting an old friend. I mean, granted, I mean, I don't know much about them. Right. So I just get to ask them questions. You know, they already know all about me. So it feels like I'm chatting with an old friend. And it's just fun that way. And it kind of cuts all the uncomfortable awkwardness in the beginning when you're getting to know someone because they kind of already know about you. And so I enjoy I enjoy asking them questions and learning about them more. So, mm. I mean, that's fun for me. And it's, I'm just really thankful for the support that's been out there with the blogging community you can i mean you can be a stay-home mom or work from home mom and Mm -hmm. i mean there's just so many opportunities it's given people to just expand in creative areas it's it's really amazing what the internet i mean there's a lot of good and bad that come with it but i mean it's amazing all the good that's come from it you start to get some national exposure when some of your blog posts got a Mm -hmm. lot of attention how soon after you started blogging did that happen um, I want to say maybe about a year and a half, maybe two years okay. later. Okay. And that's good for people to hear too is I think a lot of times people think that they're going to achieve some overnight success of <laughs> where people are like, yeah. you know, I'll, you have to really commit to maintaining a presence. And then exactly. if you can commit to that, then things eventually start happening. But you got to kind of, it's almost like you're investing in stockpiling your blog with information and then over time you gain a following and then uh, your book opportunity came to be was that something that you sought out yourself or did someone come up to you and say hey I really like what you're doing on your blog yeah it was happened my editor emailed me in 2000 let's see it came out 2014 13 2000 November of 2011 is when this whole thing started she emailed me and then I had to reread the email a few times because the word that stuck out to me was random house. We want you to write a book. And I was like, Oh my gosh, is this real? I mean, it's not something, you know, it's one of those ideas. Like I'm not really, I don't know. I'm, I can't say I'm a necessary go getter, but it's just one of those things like, Oh, it's something like, it'd be nice if something like this happened. And so when I got this email, I was just kind of like shocked. And I was like, no way. And <laughs> I remember calling my husband. I'm like, I got an email from random house. They want me to write a book. This is insane. And then we were, I mean, it was just, I mean, he's like, well, did you email back? I'm like, no, no, I will. I will. So I emailed back right away. And, um, she, and we got on the phone and we started hashing out ideas. And, um, so we came up with a plan and then I submitted that proposal, I think in February, that first one got rejected. They're like, well, we want to change the idea, but we like the premise. And so I had to submit it again in June. And then that's when we changed to the sewing um, focus and then they loved it. And so June, 2012, we signed contracts and that's when I, everything, like I started writing, I turned it in a year later, March, 2013, and it doesn't come out till um, it didn't come out until May 20th, I think, 2014. So it's a, quite a long process. But, I mean, I was just 
shock. I mean, I, I didn't expect it. I didn't know. I mean, I don't know how to get those things started. <laughs> I mean, my days are my days are so filled with just, you know, being home, taking the girls, making making things with them, you know, doing things for the blog. I would, didn't have the time or energy necessarily to seek something like that out. I wouldn't even know how to get started. So it was just kind of a blessing. Um, lucky, you know, just to have something like this fall into my lap. Well, and it sounds like it wasn't a totally smooth, I mean, because you had the one kind of little speed bump where you make the, yes. you did the proposal and then it wasn't totally smooth sailing. So were, no, no. were you um, a multi-crafter before? Like it sounded like they wanted something very specific. They wanted the sewing. Were you trying to do something that was more a variety of crafts or what was your? Yeah, we were trying to do just more a craft book instead okay. of the specific sewing. Um, that was the original, but they said, um, there was just so many that would be coming out at that time, and which makes sense now because I'm looking at all the other books that are coming out. And there are a lot of craft, not anything particularly um, like specific as sewing. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad we went with the sewing direction. I mean, they know better. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that there does seem to be reluctance on the part of publishers to do kind of all-inclusive craft books. I think they're, they mm-hmm. worry a little bit that... But there's a lot of dabblers out there. I know I it would be hard for me to just do one craft. Like if I had to pick one, I, I'd probably start crying. But I think this book, having that focus where you could be like, okay, sewing. Once you got that focus, was it pretty easy then to come up with your projects since you knew, okay, it's all about sewing? Yeah, it was. I mean, some things are more difficult than others. I was trying to come up with as, as original as possible. And I mean, I, there were some things that I made on my blog that people ask, oh, can we have the patterns for this? And I've never made the patterns. So I'm like, okay, let's include that in the book. Um, but I think the biggest, I took a couple sewing classes. And I mean, so I'm familiar with like the, you know, the specific techniques and everything. But I'm not like a, I, I didn't go to fashion design school or anything. You know, I'm a trade teacher. I went to school to be a teacher. And so, I mean, I think making sure everything was exact and precise and I had all the right terms, that was just, because I know how to do it, but just making sure I could explain it out, you know, in written form was, I think, the challenge. The teacher training comes out in this yeah. book. I believe I read also you homeschool your kids. Is that I correct? homeschool that's, Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. So it's a lot of, so we're always integrating learning into our projects. And so it was really important to me to be able to integrate teaching and learning with your kids into it. So I was glad that I got to put the book suggestions to go with projects because I think children learn so much from reading, you reading to them, with them, them reading out loud with you. I mean, there's just so much to be learned there and inspiration you can draw from that into something that would lead into something creative that um, the teacher in me just had to include something like that. The fact that you trained to be a teacher, you taught, was it fourth grade for mm-hmm. a while? Yes. You're well trained to then be a homeschooling parent. <laughs> I, I didn't initially think so. I think I was more afraid because I was, I taught upper grade. So I was afraid, how would I tackle the K, one, two, three, okay. that beginning section? So I was more fearful. I was like, well, let's send him to school. My husband was like, I was telling him, let's send him to school the first few years and then I'll homeschool them after. But I mean, just after time thinking, praying about it, you know, eventually my mind changed about it. But I was definitely more afraid, especially doing the younger grades, just because I was an upper grade teacher and that's what I enjoyed. So I didn't know how I was going to tackle all that basic reading and math stuff but thankfully we we've we've gone through it and so I'm not as intimidated to do it with the younger two but oh gosh I was scared at first (laughs) I definitely respect the parents who are are doing that because I think it's got to be a wonderful opportunity to spend a lot of time with your kids because you can't get that back they grow so fast 
And I know. And even sometimes, I mean, I find it difficult. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I just want to go to school. But today was hard. Yeah. And then you get those <laughs> aha moments. You're like, okay, this is why I'm doing it. And right. So, there's, so, I mean, some days are great and some days are just really, really, like, terrible. But I'm, I think we have more great days than terrible, which is good. <laughs> what grades are you homeschooling now? My kids are three, four, seven, and eight. And so okay. I have a second grader and a third grader. But um, we started, I mean, they're pretty much the same level. I accommodate where I need to, but it's, for the most part, we, we do the same curriculum with both, and maybe one won't have to write as long of a paragraph or, you know, but for the most part, they're pretty much on the same level. And so it's, it's, it makes it easier for me right now that we're doing things kind of at the same pace. And then we have one that I've started slowly homeschooling. We started doing the vowels. And so she, she's starting to get into it. She still likes a lot more play, which I think is really important. So I'm not one to pressure her to have to learn, learn, learn right now. Cause mm-hmm. I know she'll eventually get it. Right. Um, so, but it'll be interesting when I officially jump into the multi-age classroom type deal. I'm kind of nervous and seeing how, how time will look like for that. So right now we have a pretty good balance, but eventually when I officially put the other two in, that'll be very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, how much hands-on like crafting and making of things do you put into your curriculum with your kids? I mean, is this something that you mix in as much as you can? I do. I do. We follow something called classical education, which really is language-based and a lot of memorizing. They want you to memorize all the facts and stuff at an early age, and they don't really encourage creativity, self-expression until they want you to have all like the foundation, and then later you can include the self-expression. But that's just not how I learn and work, and my kids don't either. So I definitely still make sure to include that creative aspect into all our learning through history, through science projects through, you know, art and um, math, music. So even though our specific program isn't very creative, we, we find ways to make it creative for us. How did that process work? Did you show them projects and say, what do you guys think? I would show them projects and then I would um, say, okay, we need, let's make a pattern here. So they would create the pattern. Um, I kind of asked them, okay, what do you want? I mean, they, they are really into crafting and creating. Like every day... Um, can we do a project? Well, we just did a project yesterday. I'm like, don't you want a break? And so uh, they're very much, they, I, I, I'm sure it's nature or nurture, who knows? I mean, mm-hmm. they see me doing it all the time, but so they're very much into creating, crafting, wanting to make things and they're making things on their own for like, um, we just had a birthday this past weekend and one daughter created all these like paper, like doll house furniture out of paper when using index cards and cardboard and tape. And so they're very much uh, have a say in everything we do. I think what they're into kind of dictates what I do on my blog. And because, I mean, it has to, I don't have the time to just like be making projects on the side. It has to fit into our family and what we're interested in, mm-hmm. what we're doing um, just to make it to have the time for it. So just to make it more natural, I guess, to fit in with the schedule. And I mean, our days are full, so we're doing things that they want to make that, you know, maybe something we need or something that they're interested in or something they want to make for the neighbor or for their friends. And so um, they definitely have a, a large say in the projects in the book and the projects that we do on the blog. 
And so let's talk a little more specifically about the projects in your book, because people are like, hey, let's get to the book, man. I want to hear about what's in the book. Um, <laughs> sorry, we're just, sorry. We're just like chit-chatting away, which is really great because there's so much to talk about. But for the folks at home who might not be flipping through the book right now like I am, what do you want people to know? What do you think they need to know about your approach to this book? Just make memories with your kids by creating things together. That was my big, I mean, you just have so much fun. I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect. The outcome doesn't have to be perfect. But I think the whole process of choosing a project, painting the fabric together, or, you know, if they don't know how to sew yet, they can help you stuff the dollhouse pillow. You know, there's just so many, depending on their age level, you can still include them in these projects. And I think that memory aspect and then having a product at the end to get that you made together is the biggest thing I want people to do. I mean, just encourage families creating and playing together through these projects in the book. I love so many of the projects in here. The little slippers are absolutely darling. Uh, I, oh, I, they I, love making yeah. that. That was one of my favorite ones to make. And it's appropriate that they're called super happy slippers. And why don't you <laughs> describe these slippers for the folks at home? You have the kids hand draw you cut out the fabric and then you have them hand draw whatever they want to on the on the top of the fabric or even on the inside. And then you stuff these little house slippers. I think the best thing is they're so proud of seeing their creation. I mean, you have this idea in your head and then they see it come to life. You know, there's a sense of accomplishment and, it, and I love seeing that. And they're so proud of it. They love wearing it. They love showing people. You know, they really treasure it more because they were part of the creating of it. Right. And do you find that your kids keep track of these better? Like they're less likely to get lost when it's their own special kind of slipper? <laughs> I found one, like one's in like a suitcase or a special suitcase, but I saw the other pair like under the bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least temporarily, usually I find that um, yeah. the things that they help make, they do. But they do. Yes. Yes, they do. They hug it a little bit more. It's definitely somewhere like close to them. Like they have a little area, like I'll find things. So, like, one likes to hide things under her pillow that she really loves or under her comforter. And so, like, so when I'm cleaning up, you know, I usually don't look there. And I happen to. And I'm like, oh, there they are. You have really, really super cute uh, reversible frock, which is a little dress that uh, Mm -hmm. uh, had some little house drawings on there. And it looks like your daughter did the drawings on on that. She did do that, yes. I mean, they're just so proud of everything because they 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 had a they had a part of it. And so I mean, even in the book, um, you'll see there's illustrations throughout the book and they're done by them. I mean, my two oldest did the illustrations and so their names are at the beginning with all the legal mumbo jumbo and so I'm like, Oh my gosh, girls, you know, when they we got the book, um, I showed them their names. I'm like, See, you're published illustrators and so it's such a it it was kind of like a family I mean, I, I I wrote the book, but it was such a family project. I mean, we all did a little bit to, um, to make this happen. And, you know, we sacrificed Saturdays as a family. So I'd be working and maybe they'd be having to do something without me. And, they, you know, they'd just be off the dad. But it was definitely a family collaborative thing to do this whole book together. Even my husband, he helped with the recipes. And, you know, he definitely has an influence in, you know, what I talk about as far as food and stuff in the book. So... I think it was just like a, it was a nice big family memory to have to show our grandchildren one day and all work on this together. We're just thankful to have this book to kind of encapsulate the time that we all spent working on it. This is your family photographed all the way through. So yeah. that really makes it very personal for you as well. And even looking when we got the book, the actual book in hand, I'm like, oh my gosh, look at the girls. They look so much younger. 
so it definitely is like a timestamp of that time and just thinking about like the chaos that went on in our house, you know, trying to work and do like homeschool and just keep the family going. And so it was just, I had a lot of good memories, stressful ones too, but a lot of good memories from that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing when you have a deadline and it's an external project that's in addition to homeschooling, in addition to the blog. Uh, was it challenging to blog? I know a lot of bloggers that I've interviewed um, would talk about how they have this major thing they're working on behind the scenes that they can't really, you know, you don't want to talk about all the projects before people can get the book. So it's kind of like you have this secret life. And as a blogger, you're used to telling people what's going on <laughs> yeah. in your life, but that's this major thing you can't tell them. How did you deal with that on your blog? Yeah, it definitely felt like a secret life because I didn't say anything about the book until about a month before the book came out. So while I was working on it, I don't even remember what, I mean, we were still doing projects and sharing stuff on the blog, so I don't remember it being, I mean, I think there was, when it was getting close to the end of deadline, to turn everything in, I remember I kind of, it was much more silent on the blog, maybe for like a week or two, mm -hmm. you know, it was maybe like every other day posting every other couple days, but it was definitely hard to keep the secret. My editor and I thought it was best that we didn't say anything until the, a month before the book actual release, because we didn't want to generate all this excitement, but then, oh, well, it's not coming out for a year later. And so and then have it fizzle out. So it was really a big secret. So when I first announced it, people, I think they just, thought that I just started writing the book. And so then when I announced it like two weeks later, okay, it's coming out. They're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably a good way to do it because then you know it's definitely coming out. I'm also paranoid because I'm like, well, what if, you know, I mean, you, you find that contract in the beginning and there's all these things, should the book not come out or should it not be able to be, you know, so I, I'm more like until something's said and done and it's like in your hands, like I'm just more paranoid to actually say something right no I, so, I see where you're coming from definitely there's so many variables exactly because I, I would have dreams I remember I would stress out I'm like oh my gosh they hated the manuscript they don't want to they want me to do something so <laughs> I was just nervous until the actual release date because you just never know what will happen are you working on a second book now or what's next for you I'm up for games for anything there's not no second book specifically in the works right now but I just take everything as it comes I I'm excited to be able to speak with you I mean these things I've never imagine would come my way and I'm just so thankful and I'm just happy with you know I'm just happy creating things and I've always told people like if you're gonna blog don't get into it thinking you're gonna be making lots of money you just have to get into it because you love it right and so if you get in thinking okay I, I want this I want that I mean you're just gonna burn out so quickly and so I keep doing it just because I, I love sharing this community I, lo I love getting inspired through other people's um, creations and Pinterest and so it's just really fun for me I mean I definitely feel like yeah sometimes you know you ha you definitely you have to put work into maintaining you know the constant flow of information that you want to share and everything but I mean it really is a lot of fun for me still so I think I mean I have no idea what's next I'm and I'm I I'm up for anything. Like this summer, I just went to Singapore. I was invited by Bluesom Blogs, and um, I taught a wool felt flower making workshop. And that was like a dream that I never thought, you know. Wow, just, that's pretty cool. I, I don't think I've ever dreamt going somewhere to teach a workshop. They invited me. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. This is so cool. And so I, I just kind of take it day by day. And whatever happens, I'm totally up for any challenge or it's just been a really fun journey and I, and I just love being part of it. 
And it sounds like there have been a few surprising things that you've already kind of mentioned. Like you probably weren't planning on going to Singapore to teach, as you said. No. What other surprising things have happened? Um, Have you made a lot of friends online just through blogging and connecting with other bloggers? A couple of days ago, blog friend that I had been following, gosh, for like at least five, over five years now, she's in Holland and she came to visit here in um, Southern California and she was staying with another online friend. And so we got together. And so that was just so great to finally meet her. She, her blog is Nico Design and it was so wonderful to meet her and to connect. You know, we've been watching each other's lives from afar, from really mm-hmm. afar yeah. for several years now. And so it was just like meeting an old friend. It was just so much fun. I think that's like one of the great things about just meeting people that you've connected with online. It's just like a natural friendship. And and I'm just thankful. I was just blessed by, you know, our time together and chit-chatting and the friendships that have been developed are one of the great things and surprising things. And but I love the whole aspect of everything that has come with blogging. I'm just so thankful. I mean, I, every, I think everything has been a surprise to me. Like I've never really... I've been thankful for everything that's happened and I've never really said, oh, well, let's do this. Let's do that. You know, I want this. I want that. But it's just kind of take whatever comes. When you have some downtime, what do you like to do? I enjoy sewing for myself and that kind of is relaxing. So if I get a free afternoon, maybe on a Saturday, my husband takes care of everything and and I just pull myself up in my little craft room and I'll just, that's really relaxing for me. I'm even like making things, not necessarily take pictures of every step by step. That's really relaxing. <laughs> Isn't so. that nice to just make something and not take pictures step yeah. by step? Oh my gosh, that's like, so nice. I'll, I'll make clothes and I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't have the pattern for you. Yet. You know, but I'll share it on the blog. But I mean, I mean, both are you know I enjoy, but sometimes it's just you know you just want to make something and not have to worry about. It. Do you also crochet and do other and knitting and other other crafts as well? I do crochet, and that's I'm not particularly. Like, I don't go as really far with it. I do crochet. Um, and just, I just like making things in general. Like I like the challenge of thinking up an idea or seeing something and like wanting to recreate it. Um, so I don't have, I guess sewing would obviously be one of my favorites. But other than that, I just like making things. Who taught you how to <laughs> sew? How did you learn how to sew? When I had my first kid, we, I would like to go shopping, but we were, my, you know, my husband just finished grad school and I stopped working. And so we were definitely on a tight budget. And so I'd go shopping. I, I'd like to go window shopping and I'd see all these cute things and um, I wanted to buy them, but I couldn't. So I was like, well, I think I could sell them. And so I bugged and bugged to buy a sewing machine. And so he, you know, so we eventually got one. And then um, there was a local Durant's craft and they had sewing classes there. And then I, so I took one like one-on-one class with a lady and when that was done there was a sewing shop and they offered classes and that was several months long so um, once a week I'd go to these sewing classes and I would learn from them so I I mean my mom would sew she never really taught me but she she was um, the middle of the night sewer she was probably a lot like you you know you pick (laughs) up something and you'd wake up and, magically you know, and she'd have something. Yeah, she would magically have like matching Christmas snowman outfits for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, vests for my dad and for my brother. Oh, wow. Um, so I grew up and she was, my mom's very creative and she was always making things. She liked to go, she really liked to go an extra mile for family holidays and just, you know, just doing something, if, if making an elaborate centerpiece for the table, decorating Christmas issues, she just enjoyed that. And so I, I must I must have gotten that from her. And then my dad loves to draw. So I, I, you know, I like to draw too. So, so I grew up surrounded by that, just growing up in an environment where my parents kind of let us 
pursue whatever it is we wanted to. My brother's a musician, one sister's a dancer, and one sister um, is a photographer. So it's really, they kind of just, like I said, do whatever you want. And like, mom, why, my mom's a nurse. Um, so I'm like, well, why didn't you encourage us to be a nurse or an engineer like that? They're like, well, we just let you guys do whatever it is you wanted. And so we kind of all pick some sort of art industry to pursue. And mm-hmm. so and so I think that was the, the, the uh, them allowing us to be creative was a big influence on wanting to create. And then also my grandma was a seamstress. And so I'd always go to her if I needed something altered. Or, and so she would do things, you know, quickly for me. So I guess um, having seeing that and then my mom and then just wanting to make something for my own kids um, that really got me like, okay, I really want to learn how to sew and I really want to do this for them. Well, all that, uh, the classes and the experiments you've done on your own have really paid off because you're making some super cute things and uh, ranging from, I mean, in this book, you have everything from uh, dresses that kids can embellish themselves to wall quilts that are the, the globe wall quilt, picnic blankets, soft little veggies for kids to play with, stuffed little food items, which are really fun, even knives, forks, and spoons for the ultimate picnic ever um, yeah <laughs> which is really fun and placemats kids love placemats there's something really fun they like to set the table with placemats that they made yes and and also you have some fun things um the way cool wristlets and those are those look like those are made of clay and so so your book does have some things that aren't everything isn't fabric in here so you know not everything some... we have a few like no sew projects that you could easily just do in like a, an hour or so um, so there really is a wide a variety of kinds of skills and levels and projects that you can do. I mean, I was thinking, you know, it would be a book that you might want to give to someone who was having a baby. Maybe they need some ideas of mm-hmm. stories. You know, they, they don't necessarily want to sew yet. But, you know, there's I think the, the book suggestions of stories to read with children um, are so great. And, you know, you could use that to build your library or like I have some teaching suggestions. So if you're homeschooling, you know, there's some like you can make the doll and then, you know, there's a prompt on you can encourage your child to write a story about the doll you created. So I think it's, you know, even if you aren't necessarily interested in sewing or you're really intimidated by it, I think it really kind of shows you like not every project has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's just about creating and having fun with your child through it. In your house, I mean, what is your philosophy about TV and uh, video games and computers and all that that takes so much of our attention sometimes away from the real world around us? We don't have a television. Our, we had one a few years ago, and it, it, it was my husband's old one, and it was one of the box televisions, and it, and it bit the dust. So we just never bothered to get, get another one. We figured we didn't need one. I mean, I definitely still get my share of TV on Hulu and, you know, Netflix. So mm-hmm. I'll get that in the evening when, when the kids are in bed. But, and then we have computers and we have iPads. So that they still, you know, they still get some exposure to being able to watch, you know, we will, we definitely have much more control over it um, about when and, you know, when they're allowed to watch. But it's like, I really, I guess maybe also my kids are really close in age. So they're really good at entertaining each other. Mm-hmm. I don't really feel like you know, sometimes like if I need absolute quiet or I need, I really need to get something done, then maybe they'll be watching something on Netflix. But I think there's so 
they do so much. I think they're wilder after they watch something on Netflix or on the iPad. Uh, so <laughs> I, they do, I really think they're wilder. I don't know what it is. And then, like, that if my husband comes home, they're like, did they watch something? I'm like, yeah, they did. Like, just, they just end up more I don't know what it is. But I think, you know, there's just, uh, there was a book that I talked about in my blog called Unplugged Play, and I really like the title of that. I mean, it's just, there's there's so much play that can be done. You don't even need a lot of toys. You know, hand them boxes. They go to town. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they create their own toys. And so, I mean, I can't say that I'm totally against television because I still watch my share of it in the evening. Right, right. Um, when, you know, I have like a, a, a couple shows that I make sure I tune into. But, I mean, we've done without it. And it's been great. I mean, so we have family movie nights on Friday where we all get in the bed and watch on the computer. But I feel like, why do people need television? Because, I mean, you if you wanted television, you could get it on the computer. Right. So I feel like you don't even really need it these days. And so I, but I really, it's really important for, to, for them to play without all that technology stuff. They haven't even discovered video games. I mean, we have an iPad, but they don't play any games on it. I mean, they've done, they use it to call grandma. And actually, grandma bought the iPad for them to call grandma. And then, <laughs> um, so they use it for that. You know, they have a couple... Brain Pop Junior, you know, learning things, but not like video games or, you know, just to play a game, those kinds of things. They haven't, I have, we haven't exposed them to, to that yet, but they don't even know what that is. <laughs> I mean, I've had it where, you know, the felt is all over the place, but at the same time, I'd rather see felt scattered all over than to try to, you know, get a kid to pay attention because they're engaged in the TV or they're playing a video Very game. True. So I'm like, yeah, if you're going to make a mess, we'll deal with that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, and even though we don't have television and we don't really watch it that often or we don't allow the kids to, I mean, I definitely see that it's a struggle still, like, because they see me with my, my phone's always near me, you know, in case someone texts or like, I, I used to think like, oh, how great, you know, waiting times are I don't feel as long because you have your phone and you can check things online. And right. so it kind of makes waiting to, but then now I'm starting to see how, how dangerous it could be because you just, you don't just take a breather in a, in a quiet moment. Like you just, I, I find that I've automatically been drawn my phone to check Instagram or my email. And like, and I've, so I've been trying to train myself recently to like, don't check it. Like you just need to enjoy this moment. Like you don't need to fill it with something. I wish I could refer back to how my parents handled this, but we're really the first generation of parents where this is full on a technology. Um... Yeah, this is new territory for all of us and to see the effect that it will have on our kids. It's, I mean, I definitely see the bad habits that I've formed and I'm sure they see it. So I've been trying to change it because I don't want, I mean, I don't want to be that role model, you know, always right, stuck right. in my phone. So, I mean, I'm hope, hopefully, I, I, you know, I can, but I, I see it. So I want to change it. And because I don't want them to be like that. And I mean, we've discussed that, well, we get them phones. I mean, so they're homeschooled. So they don't necessarily, you know, we're always with them for the most part. I don't right. know how long we'll homeschool, but, you know, it's a constant dialogue my husband and I have because this definitely will affect them and their future. I mean, we go out to restaurants and we'll see like people just, you know, a family will be sitting for dinner and one kid has an iPad and, you know, and then the adults are talking about the kids being gross and whatever they're looking. And so, um, I mean, to each their own, but like I, I, for my family, I feel like we, I still want to keep that. I still want to sit at the table and talk. I don't know if there's anything else that you want people to know about you or your book or any upcoming projects that I didn't ask about. I just really want to encourage families just to create. You don't have to be um, naturally inclined to um, being creative. 
to do, you know, to make things. Like even if you just sit there with color pencils and paper and you sit there and would do, you draw with your kids, the things that you're drawing together and the conversations that come out from those moments, you know, are priceless. That Those are the things that you treasure. It's kind of, I guess, a way to kind of slow down time to enjoy the moment with them. I know with us, um, we have a, on our coffee table, we have something called the family sketchbook. And so there's always a sketchbook on the table and color pencils on top. And, you know, the kids are always drawing in there. Sometimes we draw in there with them. And so it's, and we, and we put a new one out every new year. And so we have this like collection of all the drawings and it's how it's progressed and stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it's, and it's, you can just, you, it's as simple as that. You don't need a stove, you know, you just right. get up a pencil paper and do things there, or even just read together. I think it's just continuing to encourage the dialogue and the conversations and the getting to know each other in the family. Because you can, you, you, your kids are little and you spend so much time with them, but I think maybe as they get older, you forget, you have to still get to know them. Mm-hmm. And as they're, especially when they're teenagers, that's when it's, you know, vital, taking the time to understand them and what they're going through and, you know, the changes they're going through. So just keeping, I think we, I love to use communication as a way to spend time together and um, getting to know each other and finding interests and just, I mean, creating memories together as a family. Well, and kids are so open to that relationship being established when they're young because mm-hmm. it's really hard to start a relationship, like a real, you know, to say, hey, let's draw together with a 16 or 17 year old. Yeah. Well, keep doing what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. Well, you. Your blog is lovely. The book's great. And I can't wait to see what you do next. So I'll have to have you back after the next project because I know there will be I something else. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling really <laughs> confident about that. So thank you so much. And I'll let you get on with your day. You've been very generous with your time. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, I'm just so honored to be able to speak with you and sharing and um, just having fun chatting and chatting about crafting and internet and blogs and um, books and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Thank we you. covered a lot of ground here. Thank you, Ruby Ellen, for sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it. And I hope you folks at home found it very inspiring and are now itching to go make a project with the child in your life or maybe the children in your life. Let's Sew Together is a great book to get you inspired to do that. If you want to enter to win a copy of it, head over to craftsanity.com and leave a comment under the write-up about episode 140 of the podcast, and I'll do a random drawing for a winner, and we will give you until, since I posted this kind of late, we will give you until October 3rd, so that's Friday, October 3rd will be our deadline. Again, a special thanks to my Patreon supporters. I really appreciate all you folks who've stepped up and decided to contribute a dollar a month to the podcast. That's really awesome. I've actually had several people donate more than a dollar, which I'm humbled by that because really, honestly, it's still a dream for me when I think about the fact that people want to tune in to this little show that I've been doing for a while because I really do absolutely love it. So thank you so much. I'd also like to thank ACS Home and Work for sponsoring the podcast. You can visit their website, acshomeandwork.com. This is a great source for flower sack tea towels and other home goods. I use the towels, as I mentioned, in my printmaking. So if you're a West Michigan listener, head over to the Red Door on Lake Michigan Drive, and there's a link on my website to the Red Door so you can see where exactly where to find it. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I have to go run out and pick up my children from school now. I will be back Sunday. We're going to have another show posted. So I'm going to stay on track and post these things in a timely fashion. Thanks so much for tuning in. 
Have an excellent week, and I will be back soon with another episode. In the meantime, craft sanity, my friends. It works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Thank you.